is in this place, and God's everywhere, right? We know that. We know that we experience Him everywhere, but there's something specific about when we gather as His people, when we sing praises, that we feel that tangible presence, whether it be from the gathered community around us or from the simple act of worship and calling those things into reality. I hope that you felt and experienced that this morning. I certainly did, and I am grateful for it. Hey, look at that segue. What are you grateful for Today, last week we started our series Thankful, we're building towards Thanksgiving, and so we started off by kind of talking about what in the world do we have to be thankful for in 2020. We talked about some of the science, right, about how gratitude carries within us, it rewires our brain, and there's some really simple habits that we can do, and so we challenged each of us as a congregation, right, to grab a gratitude journal. We've got more here today if you didn't get one last week, and every day take five minutes before bed or sometime and write down a list, review that list, and hopefully make some actions on it of the things that we're grateful for. So I want to hear this morning, did you do your homework? Take 30 seconds, uh, talk to your family, the people closest to you, uh, talk about what you've been grateful for this last week. Online, I'm going to talk to you while they're talking. Type in the chat. I want to hear what's been going on in your world. What have you been grateful for? If you didn't get a journal, again, you can swing by this week, pick one up. We'd love to provide you with one, uh, but we want you to participate, and uh, we can do that contact list as well. So type in the chat online. want to hear what you're grateful for. All right, church, what were you grateful for this last week? <laughs> That's a polarizing issue right there. I bet there's some people grateful, and there's some people that are like, no, snow, I can't believe it. What else do you got? Snow, that's it. That's all that's going on in your world is snow. Your house, some warmth, provision. What was that? Uh-huh. There's a, there's a cold theme this morning that I'm sensing. Is there something going on outside I should know about? Uh, I had a little bit more time to prepare, so I'll share. One of the things that I wrote down uh, was that I was grateful for Asher's laugh. Asher is our youngest, and he has an infectious laughter. His name from the Bible means happiness, and he lives up to that. And there was a day that was particularly down for me, but he was having a good day, and uh, that warmed my spirits, and I was able not only to to write that down, review it, but here I am getting to say that and embarrass him in front of a room full of people. So uh, there's lots of things to be grateful for in there. How about this? Did anyone, when you did your gratitude exercise, did you take that next step? Did you send the text? Did you write the note? Did you make that call? Anybody take that extra step this week? Okay, how did that feel? Good. That's what I was going. Good. Positive. Yes. Hopefully you weren't like, it was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. No. Right? It's a good thing, right? These simple little actions that we take. And the simple thing of having this journal, this intentionality, and then going, what could I do with this gratefulness that I'm cultivating within myself? Right? By the way, if you not only picked up a journal for yourself, but think about that one person that you've identified in your life as someone that you want to bring along, this message of gratitude in this time and season is something that you could give them a journal, please take one and say, hey, at my church we talked about this. Here's the link to last week's message, and I'm just being convinced that gratitude is making a difference in my life, and I wanted to share that I'm grateful for you, right? But here's the $64,000 question, right? So if you did the journal, if you did some actions, do you feel different today than perhaps you did last week? 
Right? Did it actually make a difference in your life? I can say that I attempted my gratitude journal regularly. I tried to follow up on it. And I can tell you that my spirits were lifted this week. Right? But the, the proof is really in the pudding. We can watch the YouTube videos. We can agree with the science. We can read the scripture. But until we actually put it in place and experience that difference and not only feel different, but point at it and say, you know what I think was different this week is I was just a little bit more grateful for the heated seats in my car for the house that I have. I was able to appreciate the beautiful snow instead of being worried about digging out my winter boots, but that simple change in perspective and attitude can make a huge difference into our lives. So we're going to build on that foundation really for this entire series. So these gratitude journals are not just for this week. Hopefully we do them uh, really throughout this six-week series. I'd love to challenge you to incorporate that habit from now until Thanksgiving. Science tells us that if you do that, you will probably form a new habit where you keep doing it, and that will increase your gratitude and joy and happiness and health. And these are good things, yes? Perfect. Let's keep going on that. So for the next several weeks, we're going to take a collective look at some of the areas in our life that maybe are perhaps difficult to find gratitude in. Maybe it's not on the surface, and we've got to dig a little bit deeper. We've got to mine some gold out to look at 2020 as a calendar, as an event, as a pandemic, and kind of pull out some of the good things that are in there. So in the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about relationships. We are going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about unity because it's an election year and everybody just feels so united and combined right now. It just warms my heart, right? Pastor, don't talk about politics. I'm inviting friends. I'm not going to talk specifically about politics, but I am going to talk about what the place that we occupy in this divisive world that we live in. Though Today, though, I, I want to reflect back and kind of start at the beginning. I want to talk about maybe the most defining event of this year. It may be the single thing that you recall going forward, and, and this was a long time ago, right? So maybe you remember uh, about six months ago, we had like a shutdown. Do you remember this, right? We're like, we stopped working, schools were called, and we like huddled in our homes for an undisclosed amount of time and just kind of fretted about what was going on in the world. Anybody remember that? I don't mean to bring back anxiety or PTSD if that was a stressful situation, right? But we had this quarantine that was going on, right? Jobs had to transition to being remote, schools transitioned to being remote, toilet paper was like gold there for a while, right? The world was just turned upside down. Can you go there with me this morning? Can you remember perhaps how you felt as you think about that span of weeks or months? What's the, what's the largest emotion as you think back to that time that rises up in you? Probably not gratitude, right? Maybe some dread, like, oh my gosh, is that going to happen again? Is it coming back? Maybe some fear. Maybe you're still feeling that, that fear of the unknown and uncertainty. But Gratitude and thankfulness probably weren't at the top of your list. They're not today as I reflect back, right? Everything changed at the drop of a hat. Schools were different, right? Jobs changed. Some jobs were lost and we're still unsure if they're coming back. We had to change our homes and our daily rhythms, right? Everything had to shift as we adjusted to this thing that we had to do. Some of us still had work to do and had to figure out how to manage the changing complexities of our home 
life with what we had to do. And I want to look today, I want us to look back, maybe from a little bit more stable perspective, maybe from a place of faith, and I want to inject some different ways to think about that time in our hearts and lives. Today I want to talk about being thankful for more rest for more rest. And while we're talking about this season, this quarantine, this pandemic, that that feels counterintuitive. I recognize that. It feels counterintuitive for me, right? I don't feel more rested. I feel more anxious, more hyped out, more stressed out. And I think that's kind of the point that we may have missed an opportunity. And as we still adjust to what the new normal is, what life is going forward, I want to give us the opportunity to see some of these big events in our life through a lens of rest and thankfulness and maybe even recuperate some things as we move forward in 2020. So as we talk about more rest, I want to go back to that quarantine time, right? What was it like for your family? Again, 99% of you who are listening right now have children and children in school and small children. So your school was probably canceled or moved to remote, which caused you to change guest bedrooms into learning spaces and to get computers up and to clear off kitchen tables and to find some way to do school at home, right? You found yourself doing fractions again, which was a gift from the Lord, and we were so thankful to figure out how in the world we do math again. Not only do math, but we just Google math because we're adults, kids don't do that, right? But we know that we just put it into Google and it tells us what the multiplication problem is. And then our kids go, how did you do that problem? And we go, I don't, I, I can't, I don't, you don't want to ask that question, right? Like I, I'm an adult, there's different rules that apply. Show your, show your work, ask your teacher, right? Most of us were directly affected in our work, or at least indirectly, whether your job had to move to remote or was put on suspension or was closed down because of the quarantine. We now had to, had to work with our spouse's schedule and, okay, what meetings do you have to do? Where do you have to be physically in location? Where do you have to be in remote? What Zoom calls do the kids have to be on? Maybe your hours were cut at work. You lost a job and you had to navigate through unemployment and those benefits and figuring out how to provide for your family while the world was shut down. As you think about that time in 2020, rest and gratitude and joy are not things that are easy to find, right? It takes a lot of work. Work is actually the word that comes to mind as we transition through just that short list looking at small sectors of our lives because the change happened so quickly. And your first reaction, my first reaction is that there's nothing restful about that period. As a matter of fact, I'm uncomfortable talking about it. I don't want to think about the fact of what could be around the corner. I get anxious just walking into that space. And I'm just wondering if we could inject a different reality as we look backwards. Because while it was absolutely stressful and there was tragedy wrapped up in it, I'm not taking away or trying to diminish that severity. I think I could go out on a limb and say, you're calendar cleared up pretty quickly, right? Like everything was off the calendar, right? Travel plans, gone. Sports, gone. Shopping, gone. Church canceled, right? Easter Sunday, for goodness sakes, we were remote. And so so while it was an unprecedented time to walk through, there were absolutely challenges. Maybe there's just a teeny tiny change of pace, a, a slight reorganization that we missed. And maybe you were an essential worker and so you didn't feel any of that rest. But I even wonder if even so, some of the things that were removed from the of our calendar, that there was enough there to slow us down, our calendars, our schedules, our pacing, and maybe there was a small, brief opportunity for us just to take collective breath in. 
And, and we're not talking about a beach vacation kind of rest, which is what I like to think about when we talk about rest, right? I want to go away. I want to go on vacation where there's no stress, no worries. That sounds restful to me. Scripture talks about, though, finding rhythms of rest in the life that we live. And so this break from normal, this opportunity to figure out what's on our calendar and why, and as things begin to re-phase in continually as they have in the past, we then get the opportunity to go, what makes it onto my calendar? What makes it back into the rhythms of my life? Can I continue to fight for rest and opportunities of rest as the calendars begin to get crowded again? So I'm not trying to diminish the hard parts of the pandemic or the tragic effects on people's health lives and job lives and economy, but I am trying to get us to filter our experience through a lens of gratitude and thankfulness. Not because it's the only way to see it, but because if we don't see it, we're missing out on what we could gain from going through what we just went through. What could be restful about this opportunity? What perspective can we learn? Because rest is another one of those areas that both science and faith really line up. They say both are incredibly important for the way that we were designed to operate. Right? Rest resets our brain's pathways. It refuels and repairs our muscles. It equips us with energy and stamina. And the science is in the vast majority of Americans do not get enough rest. The average American sleeps around 6.5 hours a night. How many hours do you need? And you all know that, and yet we don't do it, right? Like, this is the things that come back to us. And in our production-based society, we are continually overdrawing on rest, and that means that we're paying for it in other ways. Our body pays for it with adrenaline, which can lead to burnout and fatigue and other chemical imbalances that happen because we're moving too fast. It can lead to foggy vision, impaired ability to make decision, increased fatigue and mood swings, everything the opposite of what we we talked about were the benefits of gratitude last week. All that to say, if we've been overworking, overdrawing on rest, there was a period about six months ago where you were forced to stay home for a period of time, right? Your calendar cleared, work and school changed to allow you an opportunity to experience and catch up on rest. So during quarantine, what did you do? Again, we all acknowledge that there were some challenges, and there always are, but did you take advantage of the time given to you to rest? Or did you just find more ways to work, to feed this collective addiction that we have in our society to productivity and achieving and movement and go all the time? Because science is clear about rest, but Scripture also has something to say about leaping into these opportunities for restfulness. It's kind of a big deal in Scripture. I don't know if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments. Anybody heard of the Ten Commandments before? Right? Do you know that rest is in there, right? Exodus 20, starting at verse 8, says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on which you must not do any email. Sorry, translation, work, right? Neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant or maidservant or livestock nor the foreigner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but on the seventh day he rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Right? The first point there is that rest is a command. It's a command. You must 
rest, right? God didn't need to rest. God did it to set this example for us. It also speaks to our creator's ability to enjoy the work that he does. If you work seven days a week, there's no time really to enjoy the labor of your hands. And God says, no, I want to enjoy this thing that I made. We could learn from that. The other fascinating thing about this command is that it's a community-wide command, right? The Ten Commandments tend to be fairly stoic. There are only a couple that are more than one line. Right, the big ones, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. And this one has expounded territories. It says, not only is this work for you, not only are you supposed to rest, but everything around you is supposed to succumb to it. Whether they're a follower of God or not, nobody does work in the nation of Israel. Not your livestock, right? The animals need to rest. God is creating a sustainable pacing that he wants to equip. It's a fascinating statistic, not only for a scriptural perspective, but as you think about the world in that time. Nobody gets a day off in an agrarian society. And here God says, no, I want you to learn about dependability, that your sustenance comes from me, not from the work that you do. We've talked about this before because when we rest from our work, we remind ourselves that we are not simply what we can produce but that we are the beneficiaries, the blessed children of God, that he owns and appropriates and operates the universe and that all we receive is a gift from him and that gives us the opportunity to be grateful. Right? See, if quarantine still lives in the political landscape for you, then you might have missed the gift of God providing a season of rest. Right? But if we just worked harder, if we put our nose to the grindstone, if we just go, 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 try, 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 we've missed an opportunity to express our gratefulness and our dependence to God. That, we are, that our kids were able to go to school remotely, that we were still able to put food on the table, that you had a job to report into, that we have been blessed in innumerable ways. And if we buy into this notion that what we do is based on what we can earn and produce ourselves, we violate the basic command that God instructs his followers to be leaders in the communities that they're established in. Which, by the way, for a post-quarantine too, right, this one day of rest to refresh and recuperate, refuel, reconnect, refocus, reprioritize, it's a gift that's been given to us to have and it's commanded in the scriptures. Again, though, we are notoriously, scientifically, and empirically opposed to this. We fight it in our daily rhythms, in our weekly rhythms, in our natural rhythms. It just feels like it's in the water to always be on the go. And I feel like I can say this, share this with you, right? That's part of the reason why I spoke with our leadership team about stepping away for a short season because I, I had violated some of this command. I didn't give myself the opportunity to rest in this command of Sabbath. And I'm not a workaholic. I don't qualify myself by that as well. You can ask my wife. Maybe she'd tell you differently. But I don't think that that's true about me. I try to fight hard for a work-life balance. But because I didn't take advantage of some of the rest given it to me, it caught up with me. And like everything else in life, we reap what we sow. And the past year, I'd sown habits that didn't allow me to have pacing of rhythms and rest that I needed. And once the pandemic hit, I found myself working even harder to reinvest and refocus, and I found myself completely depleted. 
And, and really, that's why we're talking about rest again, right? Because I need to talk about it. So y'all can listen in if you want to, but I'm speaking to me primarily. And I know that we'll continue to talk about it. We'll continue to talk about it again because I haven't gotten the message. And I know a few of you that haven't gotten the message. I won't call you out by name, but it's not because we're bad people. It's just because this pace that we live at is fundamentally unsustainable. It violates God's command. And the issue is that when we live in that disobedience and live in conflict with a very basic command of God that he gives us for our benefit, we wind up depleting ourselves in multiple areas, in multiple ways. And it's as simple as restoration by doing the things that God has commanded us to do. So the first thing we need to acknowledge about rest is that it's a command that we need to obey. How are you doing with that? The second thing, number two, is that rest is a gift. It's a gift. It's freely given to you. You didn't do anything to earn it. You don't have to earn it. God says, this is my gift to you, and it's for your benefit. Jesus teaches on this as well in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He said, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath, right? The context there is that people are giving Jesus' disciples a hard time for picking grain to eat on the Sabbath. They say, hey, that's work. They're not supposed to do that. And Jesus says, no, no, don't get caught up in the keeping the law part of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift for you to enjoy and experience the creation that God has given to you. Rest is a gift and it is for our benefit. While we're talking about this gratitude and thankfulness and the first highlight is that rest is a command, but that that command is for our good. And it's not just in one area of our life, but it's to benefit every area, right? Have you ever tried to work out or do something physical when your body is fatigued? How's that go? Not, not well, right? Your legs decide not to move. Your arms decide not to lift. What you need to do? You need to rest. You need to recuperate your muscles and then work them out again, right? How about your kids? Have your kids ever gotten tired and you've tried to get them on a task? Every night at bedtime, right? Like, you're, brush your teeth. No, put your foot in the PJ. No, put that down. Take off the sock, right? Every single night, it's exhausting. So what do we say? Well, that's it. Tomorrow night, you're going to bed because you're too tired, right? And when you're too tired, you can't function. And so we know that this is empirically true, right? Anybody lead a team of people at work? You ever tried to lead your team into something when they're exhausted, fatigued, just had a big event and a big project, and you try to push them forward? doesn't work, right? They can't think as well. They can't perform as well or function as well. They need a rest, a recuperation, a breath, right? Because rest is a gift and it's for our benefit, body, mind, and soul. And God commands it so that we recognize and receive it, that he has it as a gift for us. Psalm 127.2 says it this way. It is useless, completely useless, no benefit at all to work so hard from early in the morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. Why? God gives rest to his loved ones. Look, provision comes from God. And when we take the ability to rest, we reset our mind's focus to recognize that God is the provider, that we can sit down and enjoy what he's given us, that it's not about what we can produce or, or prove or take, that it's simply about receiving. Does that mean that we don't have to work? Not at all. It just means that by comparison, where we as a society, as Americans, tend to be out of balances and working too hard and perhaps not receiving enough, right? Quarantine, what is it that provides for your life? Is it your work? Is it the income that you draw? Or is it your God? 
Where do blessings actually come from? From God's hands or from yours? If rest is a gift from God, in order to receive it, we have to place ourselves in the position to recognize it. Otherwise, we'll think that it's all about us and we'll work harder and harder to get more accolades, more sales, more raises, thinking that hard work is the responsible area that gives us what we're missing in our life. All the while, we're missing out on the opportunity to enjoy the gifts and provision that God gives us. And rest is the tool, is the metric, is the, uh, is the obedience plan, is the discipline discipline that we take to appreciate that. And sometimes, though, sometimes in spite of our work, not because of it. See, rest is a gift, but some of us don't know how to receive it. Some of us don't know how to open that gift, how to sit down and receive that opportunity, right? If you started a home renovation project during quarantine, you might need to learn how to stop and rest, Me, by the way, right? Totally did that, right? If you can't stop going all the time, you always have to have something on your calendar, on the agenda, on the books. You might not know how to receive the blessing and the gift of rest. If something gets canceled and your first response is to fill it with something else and say yes to something else, you might not know how to receive the gift of rest. But you say experiences, right? We have to do all the things. We only have the kids for a short time and all of that is true but you are going to wear yourself ragged chasing after those things. And you're also not going to perhaps allow your children to receive the gift of rest that God gives to them. Now, you might at this point say the same thing as along with your young child, but I'm not tired, right? I've got energy. I can still go. And just like you say to your young child at bedtime, God says to us, look, just because you don't feel tired, doesn't mean you don't need to rest. Just because you don't feel tired, just because you don't think that you need to stop or slow down, doesn't mean that your body, your mind, your soul doesn't need the opportunity to rest. Doesn't mean that just like our children need a bedtime, even though at that time, I'm not tired, I want to stay up, I want to do this, I want to do that. And you go, yeah, I know you're not tired now, but as your parent, as your instructor, I know that you need the rest. And God says the same thing to us. I know you may not feel tired. I know you think you've still got more in the tank, but the day is going to come when you're not going to. And I need you to rest today so that you have the energy for that day. Just because you don't feel tired doesn't mean that you don't need to rest. Because the Sabbath is ultimately a command, right? It's something that's given to us, instructed for our obedience. That command is a gift which is beautiful and wonderful, and we should be thankful for that. But there's also the law of the Sabbath in place, right? Rest is also a law. That means that there's consequences for disobeying it. There's consequences for obeying it, and those tend to be good and positive. But the consequence of not following this law of rest has ripple effects in every area of our life. If you don't learn to rest, rest will ultimately overtake you. Because it it isn't optional, right? It isn't something that you get to pick and choose. It's a law. It's how the world works. It's how God intended it to work. And if you refuse to obey, adhere, or listen to it, then chances are you will lose a fight with rest at some point. Have you ever tried to stay up all night? Think back to college, maybe for some of us, maybe for some of you it's in the near future, right? Kids want to stay up on all-nighters, but the chances are you're not going to make it, right? Or if you do, what happens the next day? Are you awake and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and positive and just loving life the whole day? 
Parents, if you send your kids on an overnighter, you know the answer to that. No, you're atrocious. You're a train wreck. You're terrible to be around. Go take a nap, for goodness sakes, right? Your body needs rest. At some point, you crash. How about work? You ever been in a season of high production, nonstop, go, go, go? You find yourself with perhaps a panic or anxiety or heart palpitations because your body is communicating to you physically, hey, we can't keep going at this level. We need to rest. We can't keep burning adrenaline like we're doing. Your soul, your body, your mind require rest. And if you keep robbing it, you might make it a day, a year. You might make it 10 years, 5 years, 15 years. You might make it a long way into your life, but I promise you. If you don't adhere to the law of Sabbath, the law of rest, it will take you down, right? A great way to say this is that if you don't take the Sabbath, the Sabbath will take you. If you don't find the opportunity for rest, rest will catch up with you. It's a zero-sum game. And if you're not finding yourself with the ability to take rest, then rest is going to come after you and it will probably come after you with a vengeance at times that you don't want to see, hear, or experience it. Anybody out there still doing the Bible reading challenge? I'm still pushing through, still trying to get through it, finished with the New Testament. That's exciting. Old Testament, I've been reading in the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet because he's so encouraging. And uh, that's really... We got there? There you go. You're with me, right? Sad book, right? It's about exile. Jeremiah is way down. Everything's woe is me. Jeremiah is Eeyore. Gotta love him, but holy cow, dude, you need some gratitude in your life or something, something to make you positive, right? Comparing that with the Psalms, right? So the great thing about reading through the Bible is that you get to make all of these connections. And so as I'm reading the history of Israel alongside with the prophets, this kind of was illuminated to me as Israel is looking at going into exile. Do you know what one of the reasons that Israel is sent into exile under the prophet Jeremiah, what the prophecy points at? Scripture says that it was because the law of the Sabbath was broken. The law of rest was broken by the people of Israel. Let's review a little bit of historical context for us today, right? How many of you remember year of Jubilee? Remember hearing about this? We've talked about it a couple of times. This was the concept, right, that not only does God give a Sabbath rest one day a week, right? That's the Sabbath, Sunday for us, a day that we set apart as holy, no work is done. He also does this at various times throughout the year with festivals. And then in the Jewish culture, they were instructed that one out of every seven years, the seventh year, there was to be a reset. There was to be a year kind of of, of rest that was given. Property was returned. People were returned back. Some of your fields were supposed to lay door. This was, again, a policy for rest, a command and a law that God instituted that was a gift, and he wanted to have it come about within his people. And then at the end of every seven-year times seven period, right? Seven's a big biblical number. If you don't know that, you're welcome this morning. But like at the end of every seven-year period, seven times seven is 49, the 50th year was to be called the year of Jubilee. Jubilee means party, right? You know this word, right? The 50th year was supposed to be this party year. No work was supposed to be done by anyone. Scripture says that the harvest from the years before would pay more than enough to take care of everybody having a year to party. Do you understand that God wanted you to have a party once a year every 50 years for the entire community? Does anybody not think that's astounding, right? Religion is supposed to be stuffy and boring and old and God doesn't want us to have any fun. No, God says, I want you to have an entire year party. If you follow the rule, thank you. Somebody's excited about a year party. Like God says, no, I want you to enjoy and rejoice in this. But you know what Israel said? Got to work, 
right? We can't trust our fields to lay dormant. We can't return property to each other. I bought that house. That's my house. It doesn't matter if it used to belong to so-and-so. It doesn't matter what God commanded. I have to work and provide and prove. I can't simply trust that the work is going to be there. So in Israel's entire history, how many years of Jubilee did they have? Anybody know? Nada. Never did it. Never obeyed the Lord's command to rest the land. Again, what is rest for? It's for the benefit. It's for the benefit of the crops. It's for your benefit, our benefit. God says, look, I want you to have a party year. I want you to have a blessed year. I want you to have an entire year when the whole community of Israel does nothing but worship and exist and be together and to celebrate. And Angel says, nope, got to work. Got to work, got to work, got to work. Got to bring in that paycheck. Got to bring in those harvests. Got to bring in those sales. Work, 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 work. And the reason that scripture says, one reason that the nation of Israel was sent away into captivity, into exile, was because they did not obey the Lord and give the land its rest. Here's how it's recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 36. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled just as the prophet had said. For 70 years, they missed 70 opportunities to have a party, to have the ability to just enjoy God's goodness and his creation, and instead they were subjected to exile so that the land could get the rest that the Lord intended for it to undergo. Because Sabbath is a gift, yes, it's a command, and it is also a law. God says there is a restful rhythm that is built into the whole equation, and if you refuse to obey it, it will come for you. It will still be taken because that's how God created the world to work. So church, in a pandemic, with fear lurking at every corner, with uncertainty about economics and elections and where wisdom lies and whether we should be wearing masks or not wearing masks, whether we should be out in public or not in public, where does your sense of hope and gratefulness come from? Where is your life found? Is it in your job and trusting in the income that you bring in? Is it in the government waiting for the next stimulus check? Is your identity caught up in what you can do and achieve and accomplish? I'm just here to point out that Scripture says there's a gift for you. There's a present just sitting, waiting to be open. It's the gift of rest, that it doesn't depend on what you can do on your own, but on what God has already done and will continue to do for us, not only in our salvation in the person of Jesus, but that it's an ongoing and continual gift, an attitude of rest, a pacing of our life where we get to enjoy the good things that God has given us. You don't have to repeat the mantra that we can rest when we die because God says, I want you to enjoy your rest now. I've woke I've woven it into society, I've woven it into the scripture, I've woven it into your discipleship journey, and it is a gift for you. And just like our physical bodies retire and expire, your soul will fatigue if you don't give it the rest that it needs. So you can either have the rest through a season of burnout and recuperation and exile similar to Israel, or perhaps you can find some way to obey and follow the commands that God has given for your good and for your benefit to have rest. Not only one day a week, but for goodness sake, start there. If you don't have a day that you disconnect, that you turn off the TV, don't check email, don't dig in. If you don't have a day to just breathe, please incorporate that once a week. If you don't have the opportunity to pull away on a regular basis, not only does your work give you that opportunity because you all have vacation days, yes, most people do, but scripture also says you should get away to spend time with me and spiritual opportunities. 
Then what does it look like for you to practice Sabbath and rest and even jubilee in your life? We aren't the community of Israel. Things have changed. But that doesn't mean that we can't find some way to put into obedience the commands that God has given to us. They're peppered throughout here. Again, they're gifts. They're for our benefit. And we are so often consumed with going all the time that we miss that opportunity. So what I want to lay before you is an opportunity to see this rest as both a blessing and a curse. Right? There's the good way to receive rest and the bad way to receive rest. Either way, rest is coming and the choice is yours. Will, will you allow yourself to experience the rest that God commands and gives you as a gift here and now? Or will you wait for the law to catch up with you and extract what it needs to in order to bring balance into your life? You're the person who controls that. You're the person who ultimately gets to decide. And I've got to feel that God is up there in heaven in eternity going, please choose rest. Please choose to set down the work for a while. Please choose to trust that I'm good, that I'm sovereign, that I'm working. And while I love your work, I love watching you work, I love seeing you work, I think as a good father, he's saying, I also just want you to rest and enjoy the works and the fruit of your labor. Because the Sabbath is a command. It's a gift. There's also a law incorporated with that. What does rest need to look like for you in this season, right? With the craziness that's all around, you're never going to get a blank slate, at least not one more blank than we had six months ago. So how do you incorporate rest and revision and refueling into weekly, monthly, daily, yearly, 50-year rhythms? What does that look like for you and in your life? How might you incorporate the goodness and the commands that God has for you to experience rest on a regular basis? It's for your good. It's for your benefit. It's something that we can be grateful for. And as you journal in your gratitude journal this week, I wonder if we can find some trends of where rest pops up in the midst of some stressful situations. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Let me just take a silent moment to survey your life, survey your calendar. Maybe think back to that quarantine time and Feel convicted of the house project that you started, the things that you couldn't let rest. It's okay, God, there's forgiveness in Jesus. So have that opportunity to go, all right, Lord, maybe I'm hearing you this morning. Maybe I need some fresh rest at some point in some place in my life. Maybe God's pointing his finger at something and saying, hey, I want to talk to you about, about this. I want to talk to you about that, that side hustle. I want to talk to you about that opportunity where you remove rest from being permissible for you. I want to give you the opportunity to say no, to stop. What's God speaking to you about? About the pacing and rhythm? About your trust? Is your trust in him as your provider? Have you fallen into the realm of going, no, I make my own way. I make my own destiny. Following Jesus reorients us. So Jesus, we're here to be reoriented, to change our minds, to change our looks around. And while it's so easy to look at the year 2020, God, and to find all the things that are wrong with it, to question where your presence is, where you're at, why you didn't come through, God, it's a much more difficult to look through the lens of gratitude and gratefulness and go, God, did I miss a gift or an opportunity in the midst of everything that was going on? God, did I miss the opportunity to seek you, to find rest, to find a gift that you had hidden? Maybe it was buried, maybe it was way back in the back of the closet, God, but there's a gift there for my soul and I need to spend some time receiving it, opening it, listening to it, processing it. 
Heavenly Father, you give us rest. You alone. The world doesn't say we can rest. The world doesn't say we can stop. The world says press on, keep going, work harder, do more. But you say stop. You say cultivate an attitude of rest regularly where you put aside the things that need to be done and instead focus on who you are becoming as a follower, as a child, as a person in God's kingdom. Lord, we need that reorientation It's so easy for us to just keep going and to bypass the gift that you give us and then to be shocked when the law catches up with us and we go, God, where'd this come from? I thought you were gonna take care of me so long as I followed you. And like God says to Israel, he says to us, yeah, but I told you to rest and you didn't. I gave you a gift and you worked past it and now the consequences are catching up with you. I didn't do this, you you did this. But there's still hope, there's still restoration. You can still come and rest and enjoy your master's happiness. You just have to come to set yourself down, to trust and believe in the areas and the way that God has oriented the world and to submit. Say, God, I choose to see the world your way instead of my way. I choose to see the benefits of rest right now, even in the midst of craziness and job turmoils and job transitions and job loss and not quite sure where the next meal or paycheck is coming from, but I choose to see you as my provider. I choose to rest. I choose to stay. I choose to carve out space for those rhythms and opportunities. Heavenly Father, would you continue to illuminate for us the goodness that you have, the things that we have to be grateful for that maybe we could be different, that as the people of 2020, rather than saying what everybody else is saying, maybe we could say, you know, I'm thankful for more rest in 2020. I'm thankful that God carved out some space for me to reevaluate my calendar, my priorities, the things that I give my time, energy, and effort for. While that may seem like crazy talk to the world, that's kind of the point. Jesus, would you do what only you can do. Speak into those areas, touch those places that only your voice can reach. And may we be your people by following in obedience the commands, the laws, but also the gifts that you have instituted for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you more than that. We trust you in this and in every area. And we ask that you would continue to lead us forward through this situation and every situation that will befall us in the future. All God's kids agreed together and said,